Hi, and welcome to the Post-Acute Point of View, our discussion hub for healthcare technology in the out-of-hospital space. Here we talk about the latest news and views on trends and innovation that can impact the way post-acute care providers work. And we take a look at how technology can make a difference in today's changing healthcare landscape in both home-based and facility-based care organizations and the lives of the people they serve. Today, we hear from Naveen Gupta, Senior Vice President of Home and Hospice Division for Matrix Care, and his special guest. Let's dive in. My name is Naveen Gupta. I am the Senior Vice President and Division Head for the Home and Hospice Division here at Matrix Care. Welcome again to another episode of the Post-Acute Point of View. Today, I'm joined by Vicki Hoke. Vicki is a longtime advocate for the home-based care industry. She has expanded influence from state level, serving as the CEO of the Pennsylvania Home Care Association for almost 20 years to now at the national level, where she joined the Healthcare Association of America, HCAOA, as the executive director in November of 2019. And she's involved in setting the association's strategic direction and leads the charge for the industry on a number of key professional and policy issues. So welcome, Vicky. Vicky, in recent podcasts, we often begin by chatting about our guest's origin story. Talk to us about your early formative years leading up essentially to your current role that you're in. Boy, that was a long time ago, Naveen. But when I think back over my career, I graduated with a degree in communications. And as I look back over the years of my career, I have to say they've always been very much focused on communications, marketing, and usually with, and so I started out with the American Cancer Society. Then I was one of the press secretaries for Governor Casey, who was the governor of Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. way back. And I was the press secretary that covered human services. And then, of course, then went on to some other association works, but started then with the State Home Care Association, which was, I have to tell you, it was just a perfect match. I come from a family of all nurses. I have three sisters and a mother. All of them are nurses, except for me. I don't know what that says. But I think my interest in healthcare has always been communication and marketing with healthcare and especially with home care is just a perfect combination for me. I have this love of home and family, and I can't think of a better place to be today than being heading up the National Association for Home Care. I'm just really honored to have this position, honored to be leading an industry that is so, so important to older Americans and those with disabilities. You know, Vicky, I, I remember listening to, you know, sort of another interview of yours at, where you were talking about where you can, you know, connect your profession with your passion. And, you know, you had talked about how essentially why home care is, is very near and dear to your heart. So I can have a good appreciation just listening in there to your representation at a national level and really advocating for seniors. It's, it's a great place to be. Vicky, I want to begin a little bit broadly. When we talk about healthcare, and particularly over the last 12, 14 months with the pandemic, various segments have been impacted in different ways. The private duty market, from your vantage point, what are some of the headwinds and tailwinds that agencies have faced? Well, you know, I think back on that day when they announced that we were absolutely in a pandemic. I remember it specifically. And I think back on that day, it just upended everything this sector of home-based care did as far as our daily operations. We Mm -hmm. truly had to pivot and pivot quickly 
by you know, making sure that our agencies that primarily do personal care in people's homes, we had to pivot and make sure that our frontline workers had infectious disease control, understanding and practices. We had to talk about PPE and we never had to do that. Yeah. So it was like a huge instantaneous change in our daily operations. Just implementing protocols for care during a pandemic was something that we immediately immediately put out to our agencies. We had so many webinars back to back trying to make sure that our agencies were doing what they needed to do on behalf of not only their clients, but also their caregivers in order mm -hmm. to keep both of those groups, clients and our caregivers, safe and to prevent the spread of COVID. Yeah, Vicky, I know home care revenue was down, per patient costs were up, but some positive that's also happened in you know, public awareness of home care has increased the role personal care services and private duty plays in keeping seniors safe in their home. Uh, there's certainly other sort of favorability that we keep hearing about from managed Medicaid expansion to MA plans, unskilled benefits, et cetera. So when you look at this, do you see as we come through and out of this, that home care is going to begin to see some tailwinds essentially and some acceleration happen? Yeah, I think so, Naveen. I think we're going to see it. We're seeing it already. And I think the number one is that being cared for and supported in one's home, mm -hmm. I think now because of the unfortunate situation we had with nursing home care, that the people now are rethinking. In fact, I think about a report, it's called Stat Report, when they said that, that COVID-19 finally flipped modern day thinking about long-term care on its head. The idea that society's most vulnerable should be housed in such close quarters may have forever lost its appeal. Yes. And while I want to recognize immediately that there is a place for nursing home care in our long-term care continuum, I think the pandemic has just given people pause. And I think we are seeing increased calls about, well, maybe we need to look at perhaps keeping mother or dad or grandma home. Pandemic has done that. It has shown a light on what home care is capable of. I think we were the prescription for COVID when you think yes. about it. You know, older people were told they were the most vulnerable to this disease and they were being told, stay at home. And there they were. We were keeping them home. We were monitoring their condition. And that's what kept them safe. And I think that's something that's going to be remembered for a long time. You know, Vicky, the other positive tailwind driving home care is the MA plans and their supplemental services. Yes. So if you see in 2020, last year, there were about 500 MA plans offering some sort of supplemental benefits. And in 2021, right. I see it's up by almost 46% to about 730 yeah. MA plans. And yet I have an option to talk to several clients regularly. And the adoption of them, really paying attention to the supplemental benefits and the reimbursements tied to it. What is your view on MA plans and some of the personal care services that they're offering and the acceleration? Will we see that happening? And how do you see that playing out? Well, you know, Naveen, I think we're starting to see that this year in 2021. 730 plans will be providing 3 million beneficiaries with supplemental benefits this year. When I say supplemental benefits, I mean home support, adult day, palliative care. And then mm -hmm. there's 930 plans 
covering about 4.3 million beneficiaries who are offering service to the chronically ill under that very special supplemental services. So I think you're going to see that continue. And this is what's prompted us an association to really focus on recent development two years when Medicare Advantage plans were given the authority to offer these kinds of services. Yes. And I'll never forget when it happened. I had a few call me and say, well, I don't quite understand what you do because it's not medical, yes. right? How do I evaluate you? And so our association is tackling this right now. We have a data and research committee that's actually looking at benchmarks that home care agencies would all agree to and collect data on those benchmarks so we could come up with some data to show that we really can affect a person's well-being, whether that is, which is what Medicare Advantage plans like, how can we reduce your hospitalization? That's what they're interested in. Yes. And I don't think they understand what four hours of personal care can do to really have an impact on keeping that person out of, out of a hospital or from keeping that person from falling. When that fall happens, we know that initial fall is the start sometimes, yes. right? Of a person going downhill from there, so to speak. So we're looking at establishing metrics, establishing a demonstration project where we can literally have X number of our members agree to collect this data and then to, of course, present it to these Medicare Advantage plans. I think it's only a matter of time. They're going to want to know how do you quantify that you're valuable? It's easy to say we're valuable. Tell me though, how valuable are you? Tell me how many hospitalizations you have been able to divert because you had a home care aide in that house for four hours a day. Vicky, all spot on. I think a lot of these managed care organizations really looking for quality outcomes, the shift from fee-for-service organizations will have a role because a lot of the home care agencies are using some sort of agency management software. And if we can standardize what data right, exactly. important to capture, yeah. I think that'll go a long way. So, and there's been numerous studies, Vicky, of home health episodes. If you couple that with personal care services, even a few hours, exactly. there's studies that show that it certainly reduces readmission. There've been studies that show Medicare spending overall can be reduced by adding these supplemental services. Exactly. Uh, so just finding that right data points to capture, I think will definitely go a long way. And ultimately, I think it's back to giving seniors the freedom to be able to live longer in their homes, in the community where they've raised families. I think there's, you know, it, it, there's a potential for a win-win all around here. You know what, I, mean, I, I would always say that home care is a win-win for both government and for consumers. Everyone wants to be at home, whether they're recuperating from an illness or as they grow older. Yes. And it's a win for government because we know that keeping a person at home is far cheaper than having someone in a nursing home. And unfortunately, Medicaid still considers nursing homes, you know, this is an entitlement under Medicaid deplete your resources mm -hmm. and our country will take care of you, right? Why is yes. it though that it's not considered normal to stay at home as you age? Yes. And, you know, it goes back to when Medicaid was first established back in the 60s. The only option back then was, right, for older people to go into nursing home when they needed care. We didn't have a lot of options back there. But if fast forward now to 2021, oh my goodness, assisted living, home care, all sorts of options. Yet it's still considered an exception to the rule for Medicaid to right. pay for home care. It's interesting. You know, the sentiment, though, accelerated due to the pandemic, and you touched on it. Very 
where you know facilities really they found themselves struggling a little bit and you know, this conversation around sniff diversion started happening in models yes. such as sniff at home so when we're talking about sniff at home it's essentially bypassing traditional this is you know obviously they, they've had acute episodes redirecting them from institutional settings to the home numerous surveys we can i'm sure you've seen them mm-hmm. as well you know 50, over 50% of family members are now likely to choose some sort of in-home care for their loved ones right um which might have been different in the past because that was a default or de facto as you as you alluded to but all of these models you know apart from just coordinating the discharges with dme hme to get all of the equipment certainly the skilled care involved in it but to recreate the sniff like care mm-hmm. the 24/7 care personal care services will be needed and i'm wondering if you know from your organization perspective do you see this as an yet another opportunity mm-hmm. where home care can truly add value in the sort of the healthcare continuum and be able to serve seniors absolutely and you know i always think it's we all need to partner with one another and tear down all those silos yes. partner with our sisters and brothers in home health and for that matter hospice you know hospice is at home primarily you were receiving end of life care in your home and in my career journey was when i was at my mother i worked i had a home care aide and then when she eventually went on to hospice you know it was here in my home my aide my personal care aide was just an extension of me during that yeah. and worked with that hospice nurse or that social worker and that's when when you can wrap services around a person and they're seamless oh gosh that's the golden you know that's when things are golden when you have that relationship with the family with the, with the family caregiver the professional caregiver and we're all working together that's what we all have to aim for yeah it'll, it'll really be interesting to see vic you know i think as a result of that trend we're beginning to see more and more providers beginning to diversify or having some conversations if you look at the overlap of home health home care and hospice there mm-hmm. is there's already a significant so a number of agencies that do home health and home care are almost 30% overlap and between hospice and home care there is there's some sort of overlap i've read numerous articles where hospices are looking at new ways to engage patients for the upstream and looking to diversify their services including providing some home based primary care as well skill nursing with their occupancy down they are likely to diversify their services as well so just curious is that a trend you know within your organization that you're seeing privately agencies either you know beginning to consolidate or this interest from other sort of care settings within the continuum wanting to be a part of or include private duty as part of their organization I see some, I mean, but not a whole lot and I think there's lots of reasons for that when you're dealing with larger companies looking to do that kind of diversification. Look at our licensing for personal care home care, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no national standard. We have about 28 states that have a license for personal care home care, but you know, that license is so varied from state to state. Yes. So it makes it real difficult for someone to really get a handle without having to get to know every one of those state regulations and i think the two hospice and home health are similar because they have the medicare conditions of participation yes. but private duty is so different and it's a total different model there has to be a real concerted effort to make that happen and so it'll be interesting to see if the pandemic sparks more diversification i'm not certain at this point but i also know though that 
that businesses understand the importance of diversification, right? And so I'm hoping that there's more partnerships between home health and private duty agencies or private duty agencies and CCRCs or assisted yeah. living, which I'm seeing a lot of that right now. Great. The other thing, and I know traditionally non-medical home care, we refer to it, but there's been in the recent years, I've had conversations where this whole notion of killed private duty beginning to emerge of conversations around that. And it's hourly and, mm-hmm. you know, it's so obviously you're using RNs and LPNs and LVNs in certain states. Are you beginning to see this trend as well? Do you think we're going to begin to see more skilled private duty, you know, beginning to emerge as well? Yeah. And again, it's pretty state specific. Like in Illinois, there's three different types of licenses. One is called home services. The other one is called home nursing. And And then the third one is home health. So there's this middle. And again, I think there is such a tie to having a nurse on staff in order to do many, many things that I I see that, yeah, I think that is going to be happening. And because I think our agencies that are doing this personal care are being asked to do things right now. And this is indicative because we're seeing a lot of states asking to expand the services that they can do. Because let's face it, if a family needs needs someone to come in to make sure mom is taking the right dose of medicine at the right time. And all of the family members are far away in order to fill that pillbox and order that requires a nurse. Yeah. Who's going to do that? Is that home health agency going to send that nurse just to do that? I don't think so. They may not even qualify in terms of conditions of participation for home health in that case. Exactly. And so that's why I think you will start seeing more expansion of services for the private duty sector. I do. And I think it's going to be in that vein of having nurses on staff. There's a lot of talk about medication management because if you don't, where do these families turn? Because home health agencies can't do it. Or they could, they would charge, you know, $150 to send out a nurse. Well, families can't afford that, right? So you will start seeing, I think, a lot of expansion on the scope of services that states will allow private duty agencies to do. And that's why I think you're going to start seeing some skilled care so they can do those things. So Vicky, this is really exciting times in one sense, right? So just the value of home care has been growing. You've got Medicare Advantage plans coming in. You you also have conversations about SNP at home and the role home care can play over there. There are diversification trends with home health and hospice showing interest in private duty services as well. So I think it seems very positive in the long run. We want to begin to see, and just a general overall trend of aging population desiring to age at home all seem really positive tailwinds for the industry. Oh, yeah. I think the real issues and the real challenge is still going to be workforce, though. That That is something that I always mention because it is more critical today than it was a year ago because of the pandemic. We are getting more attention, people reconsidering their long-term care planning. But at the same time, we still have a severe shortage of workforce in order to bring care home. And so we've got to figure out how to tackle that. One of the things that our association is looking at is teaming up with other groups that do long-term services and supports like leading age, 
-hmm. and the American Healthcare Association mm -hmm. were all interested in looking at some kind of immigration legislation yes. to have special visas. I think that is important. And I think the Pew Foundation even said in one of its reports that, you know, if you're going to really solve this workforce issue, you cannot ignore immigration. It has to be part of your solution. And I believe that. But I think it's also, it's only part, right? There is no silver bullet here at all. And I think wages have got to come into play. Training has got to come into play as well as respect for the profession. Yeah, Vicky, I was going to really get to that topic of labor. You hit on it already. There's going to be a huge shortage of caregivers projected even just in the next five years. We're talking about millions of unfilled jobs, essentially. Mm -hmm. You've got the raising of the minimum wage. And Vicky, I'm curious to even know how that's going to impact private duty agencies. And then, then you also have, for example, Medicaid reimbursement that's yeah. not been keeping up with inflation in several states. Combination of that high turnover, which means the cost for agencies to then backfill, right? To get a point of view. And I, and I love hearing about immigration and doing some things with other organizations, but this seems to be a, a really a massive sort of headwind for the home care industry. Yeah, it is. It's massive. We have got to figure it out because it will stifle. We will not be able to take advantage of the opportunities unless we face the minimum wage crisis. We all know that, you know, states now have different minimum wages. We know that when those minimum wages go into effect, Medicaid has got to acknowledge that and mm -hmm. increase the rates or that program is really going to struggle. We also know in, in a recent survey that 55% of people that are looking for caregiver jobs, that wage is their first look, right? Wage is very, very important. And so are the 40-hour work week. They want to be assured a 40-hour work week. And you know how difficult that is it's in home care. It's very difficult. Yes. But yet, I think on the other side of the fence, though, is the fact that now more than ever, I think home care agency owners are so aware and so focused on doing the right thing by their caregivers. Mm -hmm. During the pandemic, one thing that struck me as we continued to do as much as we could to assist our members was that one item was really important. It was, of course, it was PPE. Of course, it was, you know, making sure they were trained in infectious disease control. But you know what the other thing was? Communication. That communicating constantly, not only yeah. with caregivers, but clients throughout this whole pandemic has been so important to the point where one of our pollsters did a survey and during the height of the pandemic, it showed that the satisfaction of our caregivers and our clients were at its highest. And it was because of the communication. We've got your back. Here's what we're doing to protect you, both client and caregiver. And I just think that's what people want. They just want to know what you're doing on their behalf. You know, Vicky, you're touching upon an important component. We're a technology company. You know, technology yes. has a role to play here. So how can we make the life of a caregiver easier, mm -hmm. right? So if you think about eliminating paper as much as possible, being right. able to provide technology for the field staff, you talked about communication. So remote and video meetings between office staff and field staff or staff and the client and the client, you know, and clients' families who yeah. may be interested in knowing what's really going on. Certainly, I, I don't think technology can solve completely, but there is a role it can play to mitigate the challenges that agencies are facing there. So, right. mm -hmm. and it's not an easy nut to crack because <laughs> there's a lot of 
pieces here in terms of solving for labor. Mm -hmm. But you're right. I think that technology during the pandemic, having our time and attendance technology in sync with screening our workers before they knocked on their client's front door, having to answer those questions. Are you feeling okay today? Do you have a fever? Have you been exposed to COVID? All of that was helpful. And I think as we move forward, I think our aides just want to have access to information when they need it and where they are. And I think that's going to become increasingly important as we start trying to upgrade and elevate what our caregivers are all about and what they're capable of doing. I just believe in my heart of hearts that if our caregivers are trained and educated and supported, they can do a whole lot more than what they're doing right now. And I think technology can help. Very well said, Vicky. Vicky, we can't really have a home care conversation without touching on EBV. I know. I know. (laughs) There you go. Good old EBV. I I, want to ask you, I know, and we we are in the midst of this with all the states, with all of the different aggregators. From your vantage point, what are you hearing? How is it going with with EBV? Well, you know, from my time in Pennsylvania, it was a challenge. I think that it was delayed and now it's back on. One thing about this industry that always amazes me is how they're adaptable, they're resilient, and they figure it out. And so I think everyone supports the concept. How can you not? And I remember back in the early 2000s supporting time in attendance and saying, this is a no-brainer. Why shouldn't we be validating when we're there and what we're doing and all those kinds of things? So I think it will be successful. I think every state's going to be a little different. Yes. But yet I think it's absolutely going to help this industry. Once again, validating what we do and the value that we bring. Yeah, no denying that. If I can say from a technology perspective, I wish there was a national standard. (laughs) When this was, it would have saved time, cost, effort. Oh, uh, the intent imagine. is right. The content is right. But just having all of these variations across all 50 states has certainly been a challenge. Oh, yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. But we're thankful having technology companies like you that stick with us, though. <laughs> <laughs> so we are passionate about healthcare. We're passionate about seniors and about being able to deliver quality care in the home. So this is important to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vicky, thank you so much. I know you're incredibly busy. Thank you for continuing to advocate for the agencies, for the caregivers, the aides from various perspectives, and even just you know, joining us today for a conversation. I know this will serve. Uh, our listeners and thank you again for thank you thank you it was an honor to be here and thanks so much for the opportunity that concludes the latest episode of the post-acute point of view from matrix care we have a lot of guests and topics coming up that you won't want to miss so be sure to subscribe if you've enjoyed today's podcast and if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss leave us a review to learn more about matrix care and our solutions and services visit matrixcare.com You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you for listening. Be well, and we'll see you next time.